The scripture today is Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many people shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray as I adjust my mic. God, thank you for your word that is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Would you be present to us with your spirit right now? Uh, Calm and quiet our hearts with your love and um, reveal to us from your word the truth and goodness of the person of your son, Jesus Christ, our savior, in whom we have our hope, in whom all our longings are met. We pray in his name, amen. Well, it's good to be with you all uh, this morning. That's gonna give us feedback, so I'm just gonna move it out of the way. It's good to be with you all this morning. Um, at Grace and Peace Worshiping, um, I'm a visitor. Uh, So thanks for welcoming me. I uh, come from uh, All Saints Presbyterian, uh, from whom the saints there send their blessing. Um, And uh, it's it's great to be warmly welcomed at Grace and Peace as as I have been the last few times that I visited and this morning as I'm preaching, um, because my wife and I, Ashley, who's sitting over there, are new to Austin, and um, I just want to let you all know how um, warm a welcome we've received and, and what a grace that is to somebody who's new in town. Um, and so it's not always easy to move to a new city, so, so thank you. Thanks for wel- welcoming us. And thanks to um, Reverend John Sweet for sharing the pulpit and being willing to... Um, to uh, have me visit and, and preach this first Sunday of Advent. And it is a good one, uh, it is a good Sunday to be visiting as um, we bring out the poinsettias and the Advent candles and the purple tablecloth um, all for Advent and celebrate the uh, coming of Jesus um, and the future coming, the second coming of Jesus. It's a, good, it's a good Sunday to be with y'all. And um, as we kick off Advent, um, John and I have been talking through what the sermon series will look like, and um, 
as we go through Advent, as we think about themes of waiting and today particularly longing, um, Isaiah is going to be our guide through Advent, through the waiting. He's going to be the older brother in the faith that, that leads the way um, through the season of waiting um, and, and reveal to us life in God. So, as we've heard this morning, um, let, me just, let me just read again um, our passage so we can hear it again, and then we'll get started. As Isaiah guides us uh, through Advent. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nation, nations shall flow to it and many people shall come and say, come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So as Isaiah guides us through the season of Advent, we can just hear the undertones of what particularly we'll talk about today, and that is longing. Longing. And the way I see longing um, it's, it's, the, it's the joining of, of waiting and hope. So the way that Isaiah describes this, this vision that he sees, this, the, the going up to, uh, the nations going up to the mountain of the Lord because God has established this mountain and he set it up and all the nations stream to it. As he describes this vision, we can hear his own longing, his hopes for God to make things right and peaceful and just. And we have to remember that um, Isaiah does this in a particular way because he is a Hebrew man living a good while back in the Near East, um, a little ways from Austin, Texas, in the 21st century. Um, and the way that Isaiah is describing this, we have to remember, is in the way of a poet. Isaiah is a poet prosecutor. That's who prophets were. They were poets who litigated the covenant law of God to 
the people. And so it, it, it's incumbent upon us, it's important for us to remember that this is poetry. Um, and, and Isaiah speaks in metaphor and uses images. And um, we start to see Isaiah's longing in a very particular way when he starts to talk about um, very subtly and implicitly but the way he starts to talk about God, the need for God to come and judge between nations and to decide disputes between persons. Because the context of this judgment comes, and here's Isaiah's subtlety again, is when the sword is in the hand. That's the assumed default that, that Isaiah is speaking to. The assumed condition of how people, human beings, deal with conflict and dispute is a sword in the hand and a spear in the other. And though this Isaiah writes at a time that feels different and distant from ours, this feels maybe familiar to us. That our kind of default human mode of dealing with disagreements or people who are different than us are to either put up walls or just start to fight outright. And so Isaiah longs for peace. When the sword is in the hand and the spear is in the other. And he says the good news is that God must come to judge between nations and decide disputes. Because we as human beings will not settle things the right way. We'll not settle things peaceably. We'll not lay ourselves down in humility and say when we're wrong. Now Isaiah knew this all too well because the context in which he writes is one wherein Israel was at war with other nations. He knew malice and he knew violence. He'd seen it in the streets. He'd seen children taken from their mothers. He'd seen the worst of violence and disputes. And what he's subtly and implicitly saying to us subtly by saying, there's a sword and there's a spear, these are the images you get. is that things aren't right and they won't go right so long as this is how we deal with things, with conflict, with our own unrest in our own hearts. So long as the tools of our aggression are wielded against other people. 
and it, it, it is subtle. Um, it is subtle, but, it, but it's there. And that's what's kind of subversive about poetry is that it's not a rock that so much like hits you in the face. Isaiah, Isaiah isn't saying, this is trouble. He doesn't, he doesn't put his message in a slingshot and hurl it at our foreheads. Um, but poetry acts more like a rock in, in the shoe. We're just kind of stuck um, with the way that he unsettles us and invites us to imagine an alternative. And, and so he does. Isaiah invites us to imagine an alternative with him. So we get this image of God coming to judge and decide disputes. And this is, this is exactly the hope for Israel in, in the time of Isaiah. And this is the hope for us, for our own conflicts, uh, for our own relationships that are undone. Because our relationships are undone. I mean, we just had time with family at Thanksgiving. We look forward to uh, time with family at Christmas. And, um, and, if, and if our memories aren't too short, it's easy for us to remember how we've been hurt by other people, isn't it? Maybe it's a brother or a cousin a friend from back home who doesn't call when you come back home and you really wish they would. So we want God to be the judge. Because if left to our own devices, we hold these people at bay we get to hold on to the idea that we're right. And we end up angry, maybe depressed, lonely, at odds with the people who should be closest to us. So we need God to judge. We need him to decide our disputes. But if given enough time, we would never, we could never imagine how God has decided to come to judge. We would never imagine. If given enough time and enough resources, we, we, would, we would come up with a million different ideas of how things should be fixed. And we, and we do this. You know, we, we, we read self-help books. Um, and... We, we come up with ways of, of, of coping. And, and so if we had enough time, we could never come up with a fix this good. It could only come from God. And this is the good news of Isaiah, brothers and sisters. The crux of of what Isaiah is saying here, 
the whole, the whole passage moves around um, these couple verses in, ch- in verse 3. These couple sentences in verse 3. Isaiah says, For out of Zion shall go the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So taking a brief step back, just to illustrate what, what dealing with disputes and, um, and settling conflict by our own methods looks like. I've been, um, uh, I've been uh, I guess you could say, poking at Ashley lately with this, um, with this uh, YouTube video bit that we have uh, both seen. Um, so the way that we settle disputes, I think, could be illustrated in this way. There's this YouTube video of this comedian who pretends to, um, uh, to be a teenager. And anytime, um, anytime the parental voice speaks from off screen and says, have you, have you cleaned up your room yet? Um, he sort of slouches and he goes, no. No, I already did that. No, leave me alone. And, and at another point, did, did, I, did you set the table like I told you you should? He goes, oh, fine. Like throws down the iPad and like stomps over to the cabinet and like starts opening and pulling out dishes and slamming them down on the table. And, um, and at another point, when he's in conflict with his sister, uh, the, the, screen, the voice off screen says, tell your sister you're sorry. Sorry. Say it again. Sorry. Isn't that it? Isn't that it? And so we, we need the good news. And here it is from Isaiah. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. God has to judge. And here's how he does it, brothers and sisters. He's a good judge in this way. He's not like Simon Cowell who does this business at the judging table. No, terrible. Get off. God's not that kind of judge. He rolls up his sleeves and he attends to the dispute himself. He sends his word, his law, out from Zion. From Jerusalem goes his word. What other way can we understand this, brothers and sisters, is that God sent his only begotten son to the city of Jerusalem under Roman rule where Jesus was judged. First, by the Romans. And they said, you know what we do to people who claim to be kings of other kingdoms who live in our jurisdiction? We crucify them. That's how we settle disputes. Especially when the Jewish leaders are saying, we don't know what to do with this guy. Can you do something with him? They pass the buck. That's how they settle their dispute. 
He's first judged by the Romans. But secondly, and more importantly, brothers and sisters, Jesus is judged by the Father Almighty, his Father, the creator of the world, who he was with in the beginning. And this judge, who is Jesus' father, loves him. So how could he send him, how could he let him be taken by the Romans to be crucified? Here's the kicker. This judge, who is the father of Jesus, loves you. He loves you, church. And he wants you back. He's settled the dispute finally and fully in Jesus. Jesus is the gavel of God. He is the word that Isaiah sees. He is the mountain set up above the other mountains. He's the eternal son of God. He's our savior. He's our brother. And the beauty of God's gavel who is Jesus, is that this isn't the wooden gavel in the court of Judge Judy. He's no flimsy, weak, impotent gavel. Jesus is more like the hammer of Thor. And when God strikes the blow for justice and he says, it is finished because my son is righteous, he crushes the head of death. And evil and darkness and any violence that has ever been done in the name of self-interest, in the name of human beings having our own way, and everybody else can just go away. He dealt with it. And there's proof of this. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. God made his judgment on his son and he said, righteous. You've made peace, my boy. Breathe life again. That's the life that we have, brothers and sisters. That's the life of Jesus. And that's what it means to walk in the light. It's what Isaiah says in, in verse 5. O house of Jacob, come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is only possible because the law has gone out from Zion. Jesus' good news has been preached. God's justice has been declared. And we're free. We're free to live in, in resurrection life. Because death isn't the end. It's a portal. 
God made a mockery of death. He says, that's the beginning of your story that keeps on going. It's life with me. So let's walk in the light. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. And that's how our swords are beat into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. It's the way that we make peace in the world. So the way I've been talking about God being not a judge who stands far off, but, a, but, but one who shows humility in giving us his only son, and Jesus being the, hu- the humble, and, uh, humble servant who shows humility by obeying his father. It's described in a poem by a, a poet by the name of Langston Hughes, and, it, and it, goes, it goes like this. My Lord ain't no stuck-up man. My Lord, he ain't proud. When we go a-walkin', he gives me his hand. You're my friend, he laud. My Lord knowed what it was to work. He knowed how to pray. My Lord's life was trouble too. Trouble every day. My Lord ain't no stuck-up man. He's a friend of mine. When he went to heaven, his soul on fire, he told me I was going. He said, sure you'll come with me and be my friend through eternity. Let's pray. God, thank you for a season where longing can be something that we're not ashamed of or something that drives us crazy or makes us worried or impatient. But reminds us that we are waiting and hoping in you. That we are walking as pilgrims to your city that your son is preparing since he's been raised from the dead. And we can't wait to see it. Because the longing, God, is painful. And we suffer disease, disappointment, and conflict in the interim. We need to know that you're with us. So lighten our path, God, by your spirit. May your word be the lamp to our feet. We ask in the name of Jesus, the only one in whom there is real power. Amen.